Welcome back to Working Girls Don't Gatekeep, where I set out to answer the questions, what jobs are out there? How do I get these jobs? And what does that title even mean? I'm interviewing women who are in all different stages of their career. Some have been in their roles for many years. Some are transitioning into new industries. Some are job hunting. And some are business owners, but they all have one thing in common. These working girls don't gatekeep. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Working Girls Don't Gatekeep. Today, we have a guest named Stephanie, who I've been friends with for quite a while because we went to the same high school, but we kind of have similar friend groups, even though we're different ages, which has been fun. So we weave into each other's lives in different ways. Um, we really crossed paths, I think, when both of us were in the pageant Miss Lakeville, which is our hometown. And then um, from there, you know, we've just had mutual friends. And I'm really excited today to get to interview Stephanie because she is a business owner and she also has a full-time job. And I'm excited to learn kind of what it's like to be in the middle of this. So Steph, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Nicole. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So if you could just start off and tell us what your title is today. Yeah. So in my day job, so my full-time job, I work for a company called Epicor and I am uh, a principal of executive communications. And then I also founded a business called Voices Who Will. So I guess I'm founder of Voices Who Will. She's a business owner, peeps. I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. So we are obviously going to dive into both of those titles, but I think we should start kind of with on a fun note. So tell me about an early job that you had well before any careers or anything, maybe back in high school or college that stands out to you that was really fun. Yes. So one of my favorite first jobs, I think this was my first job besides the traditional babysitting and nannying type gig. But the very first job that I had was actually working for one of my best friend's mom's hair salons. So I worked for a salon called Salon 500, which then turned into Ambiance Spawn Salon. Um, it was owned by Pamela Rasmussen. Um, and so that was my first job as a receptionist. And I think that was when I for sure started having fun coloring my hair and learning mm -hmm. all about the different kinds of, you know, colors and how to blow dry and like hair health. And so uh, that was just a fun one for me to work through high school and college. Not to mention, I was able to work with my friends for a while who also were receptionists there. So it was a really great gig to have for, you know, a couple of different years. And I think for sure, working too in client service, um, you know, being that welcoming face to people walking into the salon, those kinds of jobs, I feel like teach you a lot of different life skills that will come in handy throughout, you know, your career. So I would say that was one of my first fun favorite jobs. Fun. Yeah, you're right that a job like that really teaches you a lot that can um, progress throughout the, your career, especially because you are the face of the company. So you're like representing a company. And then you're also having to think on your feet because you are right ahead of somebody. If they ask for something you don't know, it's like you are face to face. And so you have to kind of, um, how do I say this? Scramble, but <laughs> like, like navigate the conversation. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. So are you still into doing hair? Do you like getting your hair done? And did you ever think you would maybe follow a cosmetology path? 
I didn't. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I uh, I think at the time, you know, it was one of those things where I was in all sorts of different sports, different activities. I was somebody who kind of spanned the gamut when it came to being in the arts, being in sports. And so as a busy high schooler, a busy college person, um, I just kind of wanted something that was flexible, wanted something that was a little bit, you know, fun and lower stakes. So I haven't, you know, continued or I didn't look into a role in cosmetology, um, but it was just kind of that perfect match to to have at the time. Yeah, sure. All right. So then what? What happened next? Did you go to where did you go to college? Did you say? Yeah. So I went to the University of uh, Missouri, actually, for the very first year of college. And then I ended up transferring back to the University of Minnesota. Um, So I did that kind of shift because uh, at the time when I was at Mizzou, I thought I wanted to study and major in journalism, uh, but ended up just choosing a different path. I decided I wanted to go to law school. So I came back to the University of Minnesota um, to study communications and political science. I took my LSAT. I kind of went through the motions of, of looking at law schools, but I actually ended up landing an internship with Ameriprise Financial my junior year. So that was in communications. And that summer internship kind of changed the trajectory of my career, I would say, um, from wanting to go to law school to then deciding, hey, you know, I can have a, a really great career in communications, which has a lot of different paths underneath the communication umbrella, right? You have external communications, internal communications, executive communications, right? All sorts of of different opportunities that I didn't really realize when I was in college. So that really opened the door to something that I was super passionate about and, you know, was also like, hey, if I don't have to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on law school and have still a really great successful career in something that I love and something that I'm passionate about, I would rather take that route. So um, ended up graduating from the University of Minnesota with communications and political science degrees, um, and then continued and took my first role um, as an internal communications specialist at um, Ameriprise. Cool. Okay, we have some. We have that in common because I graduated from the U of M with communications as well. I think a it's such a, yeah. I think it's such a broad title, and for me, I didn't necessarily follow a communications path. I think also because I didn't even know that there was an opportunity in communications. I thought communications as a major was just a gateway to have a degree mm-hmm. and then not nest like and then you can go in any direction, right? I went into sales, but mm-hmm. people go into marketing or travel planning or something like that. So you actually used your communications degree and became and did something with communications. Yeah. What is that internal communications job you had? So, yeah, communications, I feel like, is for sure one of those degrees that people think about and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you just go through communications courses, get your degree, and then you can kind of go do whatever you want, which is for sure true. (laughs) But I also think that when you apply yourself in a certain way, like in those college courses, and if you are somebody who really loves thinking about like, words and the art of persuasion and rhetoric and, you know, all of those different things, you can really, I mean, learn a lot about what it actually, you know, 
what it actually takes to communicate effectively and to be really, really great at it. Um, and also once you especially are starting to like represent businesses and to actually be in professional communications, you know, the, that knowledge is so helpful. It also, like you said, is super helpful for different jobs like sales of what you're in or, you know, different kind of paths. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's super applicable to a lot of different areas. Um, but back to your question around internal communications. So a lot of what internal communications is about is, I mean, kind of what it sounds like, right? But making sure that you're communicating effectively with uh, the employees in a business. So for instance, um, in my role, I was working with Ameriprise, which is um, a financial firm. We have, well, they have about 10,000 different advisors across the country um, that are kind of, some are employed by the company and others have um, different franchises, but still definitely underneath the Ameriprise umbrella. So it was my team's job to make sure that we were communicating with those advisors um, effectively. So are we giving them the, the marketing materials that they need to grow their practice? Are we, you know, telling them the recent updates when it comes to compensation um, and what that looks like from the company to them or, you know, different strategies over time? So a really effective internal communication strategy looks at all different audiences in a company. So it looks at your you know, your finance department, your marketing department, and all of the traditional internal, internal, you know, employees. But if you are a firm like Ameriprise, what, what are those other audiences? You know, are you communicating to financial advisors or people who are maybe employed, you know, by the business? So I really like it because I think, again, it, it, it drives a level of engagement with uh, your employees to make sure that they are happy, to make sure that they are producing for the company, um, and to make sure that everybody is on the same page and and really driving towards those same goals. So that's what I did um, out of, in my first job out of college. Okay. Okay. Cool. So when you're in the when you were in this job, you said you were communicating the compensation and different initiatives to the different departments. Are you creating content to put out there for these people? Because technically, like your customers are these different departments. Yeah, kind of. So um, we uh, typically would, of course, use email. So yeah, we're creating, you know, email templates. We're creating um, a lot of times we would use our company intranet. So um, we would be posting stories. We would be highlighting different award winners. We would be communicating in that way. But there's also like newsletters, you know, typical internal communications departments have a variety of different vehicles to communicate to people. So yeah, a lot of content creation. That's actually fun. I, I do get internal communication, like newsletters and things, but I guess I never put together who actually creates this. So I guess there's an entire department for that. And that one's kind of fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So how does this job compare to a marketing job? Good question. Um, it it would vary from department to department, of course, or from company to company, I should say. Um, but when it comes to communications, I would say communications and marketing should for sure be aligned, but they are very different functions. So, and what I mean by that is we have different audiences, right? So if I were to tell you about my company now, um, the communications team is really focused on 
our like external reporters. We're focused on, um, you know, the people who are going to share really the Epicor brand and the Epicor vision, whereas um, the marketing team is really trying to drive leads, right? So whether it's, um, you know, different campaigns, whether it is um, emails, you know, trade shows, different, um, different kind of campaigns like that, I think the main goal for them is to talk to an audience that is filled with prospects. Um, whereas the other side, when it comes to communications, a lot of the times you're talking to um, people who are going to share additional information then with the prospects. There's a layer, I guess, in between. Hmm. Um, but both teams should really be aligned on what is the what is the story that we're trying to share um, and who are we trying to get it to? Well, I love that you were able to define that because I can now understand that marketing is more connected to sales. But mm-hmm. in order for marketing to know like what we're putting out there, you need to kind of educate a lot of people. It sounds like your job in a way is really educating people. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good way to put it. I think um, especially when you get into PR too, it's it's a lot of education piece and it's a lot of like brand recognition, driving mind share that will eventually, you know, translate into wallet share, right? How are people buying buying um, the product or service? Um, so yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Well, okay. And how did you get this job? So um, now I am, I work in executive communications for um, a tech company. And I actually joined in February of 2022. So I've been here for almost two years. And I got this job, um, you know, kind of the traditional way. I was looking for more of an external facing communications role. I enjoyed my internal role at Ameriprise, but ended up looking for wanting to just round out that skill sets of, of broader communications and really understanding both sides of internal and external. So saw this um, role was available with Epicor, kind of threw my name in the hat, um, and it has turned out to be a really great fit. So I specifically ran public relations for the Americas um, for my first year and a half, and then actually just recently transitioned into more of an executive visibility role where I'll be focusing a lot on, you know, how are our executives showing up in the media, and just in general with with the audience um, externally. So I'm excited to to take that on this year. Well, yeah, okay. So you said you were originally in a PR role. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to define what a PR role is and then also how it compares to like an internal communication specialist. Yeah, so PR, public relations, that this role is specifically... Um, Basically, how is the company and its spokespeople interacting with the public? So how is Epicor sharing our story and sharing what we're doing and what we provide with um, the media, with analysts, with you know anybody that basically will listen, right? So a lot of my day-to-day is um, creating relationships with reporters at the publications that make sense for us. And so a lot of that is industry trades. So... Um, you know, in for Epicor, we serve the um, make move sell economy. So basically, our the global supply chain. So manufacturers, retailers, distri- distributors, um, automotive, and building lumber and building supply. 
So any kind of publications that cover those industries are ones that Epicor wants to show up in. Mm -hmm. So we work with a lot of different reporters to make sure that you know, they're connected with our customers. If our customers are really seeing success after using our software, or we connect them with, of course, our subject matter experts and sp spokespeople at the company um, who can provide insight on a specific, you know, industry trend. So a lot of that is happening. We also, um, whenever we have customer conferences, a lot of keynote creation falls into the communications lap. So when we have our executives um, up on stage in front of, you know, 4,000 customers, we're the ones who are, you know, crafting that message, making sure it's aligned, um, making sure it's, it's you know, spun in the light that we want Epicor to be, you know, spun in and, um, and making sure it's really just authentic and true to what we're doing. So a lot of that. And then the other piece I would say would be um, speaking opportunities across um, across the industry and business and tech outlets as well. So really as a PR person, you're connecting all the dots um, for for the company to be communicating with the audiences that matter most. This is so cool. Okay, now that I'm thinking about this, I can like picture it in some type of movies. And I, I can't pinpoint yeah. what movie it is that I'm thinking of, but it's basically like you are writing what these talent or the the face of the company might be saying so I'm, yeah this really comes to mind like politically and this is not a you know a political show but i'm just thinking yeah, yeah. like however many press conferences there are mm -hmm. it feels like somebody is writing what they're going to say and that might yes. be what you do but yes. instead of a politics it's more like <laughs> corporate america Definitely. Yeah. And I think I think the important thing, too, is a good PR person will never really, you know, specifically write what somebody's going to say without input. Right. It's our job to really understand what the company is doing, but also whoever's going to be quoted and saying or saying this, making sure we understand their tone, their brand, what they believe so that the quote is authentic to them. But it has that back to, you know, what we learned in college and and you know once we learn through like really um what am i trying to say effective communications making sure that that they are able to to show up and say the best say what is authentic to them but also that in a way that's effective um in communicating with their audience that was kind of a jumble of a description <laughs> hopefully I, I got it across <laughs> no yeah that makes sense so basically trying to make sure that the company stays in a good light sometimes even put a spin on the on the messaging so that it fits like who's presenting it yeah yeah cool okay that's kind of fun and to be honest from what you have said about your career path it all connects right like yeah. you originally went to mizzou to to do some type of journalism and in a way, in this PR role, you kind of are doing it, but for an internal, but for a c company, which connects to your internal communication. So in my yeah. mind, looking over this whole entire progression, it really makes sense that you've kind of followed a path. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it it has always stayed very true to my passion, which is, you know, making sure that people are able to communicate and say the things that they want to say, right? I think kind of to the, my last point, um, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to stand in front of a group of people or to sit in front of a reporter um, when, you know, the lights are shining on you. Mm -hmm. And 
say the things that you actually want to say. You know, you might have something in your head that you want to say, but then it comes out completely differently. And isn't that the most frustrating thing, right? Oh my gosh, that's so relatable. (laughs) Yeah. So if there's a way that you know, our profession can really mediate that and 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 help and support people um, when put in those situations. I think everybody would probably be better for it, right? Not only the people speaking, but the people listening to it as well. They would more so understand who is in front of them and what they're trying to get across. Yeah. Okay. This is kind of a two-part question, mm-hmm. but in order to understand if you are good at public speaking, I think you have to find the polarity of people who are not good at public speaking. So mm-hmm. so are you a good public speaker? And what does a good public speaker actually mean? Mm, this is a good question. Um, so here's what I'll say. I, and this kind of gets into my business, um, I truly believe that anybody can be a good public speaker. Um, I think right, you know, if if you're not working at it and if you're not practicing, yeah, you're probably not great. Um, but I do think that everybody has the ability to stand in front of people and be a good public speaker. Some people might, it might come naturally for, right? Some people have that just kind of connection and that, you know, self-awareness to really understand what they need to be doing. Um, and others might have a really tougher time with it. But I think if anybody can really put themselves in a position to practice, in a position to really care about the thing that they're speaking about, um, they can be really great. I do. Um, I am lucky that I was in in the high school. I was um, on the speech team for four years. So I got an extensive education on public speaking. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I will say, you know, I did make it to na- the national tournament. So I, I humbly say that I believe I'm a good public speaker. And I don't think I would own a business on public speaking if <laughs> I thought I was bad. So um, so I will say, yes, it, it's definitely one of my strong skills. Um, and it's also something that I love to do, which is, I know, kind of oh. a rarity. So, um, so I would say yes. And then and a good public speaker, in my opinion, there's a lot of different ways that you can be a good speaker. But the ones where I you know, sit in my chair and when I listen to somebody speak, um, I want to make sure that I'm, I feel connected to them. Mm. So I want them to either, you know, be reacting or moving the audience in a way that makes me feel like they have control over the room um, and that they have a really strong presence. That's kind of what I look for um, because that shows that not only is the audience engaging with the speaker, but more importantly, the speaker is engaging with the audience, right? They are kind of holding up their bargain and end of the stick and saying, you know, I, I'm I'm giving my speech, but I'm not like just giving a speech, right? I'm 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 delivering a speech that is, you know, moving and dynamic and interesting and and reactive in the moment and very self-aware of the room. That's that's kind of the things that I look for. You can tell when somebody has those things too. Like those are the people who even in college, if it was a good professor, like I wouldn't fall asleep. I would stay engaged and I would come yeah. away, walk away from the conversation with like two or three things that I really remember about them versus like dozing off. So good good job putting that the way that you did. And I love that little, little known fact that you made it to the nationals in public speaking. Yes. Yes. I actually, I think I placed 
fifth. So in my category of, of storytelling, which was one of my favorite categories that I ever competed in. So yes, that is my little fun fact um, for the day. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I kind of want to get into your, your business here um, because yeah. I have a lot of questions that I think could help um, listeners as well. But the number one thing that I'm taking away from this is really that you have honed in on things that you are good at and things that you enjoy and have been able to pursue that professionally. So is have you had any mentors who have like called out your your talents or how do you know that you're following something that's unique to you? Yes, I have had I've been very lucky to have a lot of mentors um, and people who I'm surrounded by that that have cheered me on on this path. Um, I think it starts back in um, high school for me, which again, is like early to know that you're, you know, skilled at something um, and able to, you know, see it through as a career. But I had fantastic speech coaches who were always very, very supportive of me, um, continuing to speak and continuing to learn about it. My mom and my dad always told me that they wanted me to be a motivational speaker. So that was, you know, in exploration and potentially could still be. <laughs> um, but I even think back to, you know, bringing it back to our time in, as Miss Lakeville um, in that program. Um, you know, Kristen Babcock was always somebody who brought me back to coach all of the girls in public mm. speaking. Um, and then, you know, of course, I have some professors and career, you know, mentors along the way as well, who would always, you know, kind of fuel me forward and say, hey, you should really try this. But um, I think right now I'm really excited because I have, you know, this business that I've had for about five years, but really have kind of put pedal to the metal this past, um, the past kind of five to six months. Um, and I think the best thing that I keep hearing is, you know, you're doing exactly what you're meant to do. And so hearing that is extremely validating um, and just, you know, rewarding to hear that you're in a place where A, I feel is right for me, but also B, um, the people that I'm serving feel is right. So yes, definitely filled with some really fantastic mentors and um, supporters along the way. I love that. I, I love it when people can speak into others and call out things that are unique to them instead of being like jealous about it. Like, Oh, Stephanie, I I don't ever want to be a public speaker because you're so good that I'm just not going to be around it. And she must be must just come naturally. Instead, I think like especially as women, calling out calling out that they have a unique talent is so validating, like you said. So let us all encourage her. If like we see something, I mean, the other yeah. day, this is an example. We we were at the beach the other day, and I was with my aunt, and her and I were like, oh my gosh, that girl's swimsuit looks so good on her. <laughs> and my, my aunt went up to this stranger and was like, you are rocking that swimsuit. You look so great. I love that. Oh, that is so cool. It just changes things, too. It does. Lifting people up, and especially, like you said, as women, where we're often in positions or in the rooms um, where, you know, maybe they weren't made technically for us. You know, maybe they weren't created with us in mind. So having people there who are, you know, lifting each other up, especially when it comes to careers, I think is so important. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your business. Yes. So um, my business is called Voices Who Will. And it's really the goal and the mission is centered around um, helping women redefine what public speaking means to them so that they can be supportive or um, successful in their careers. 
So a lot of you know what I've done for the past five years has centered around um, coaching young women in scholarship programs. So um, the Miss Minnesota organization is something that I'm a sponsor of, and I've you know coached a variety of women who are working on interview, who work, um, who need to put speeches together, um, and all on stage question, right? The infamous on stage question. <laughs> so I really centered you know my business around coaching young women for probably the first three to four years that. Um, my business existed. But for the past, you know, one to two years, a lot of those girls are moving on from scholarship programs and moving into the workforce. And they come back to me and they say, hey, I need help with interview. Hey, I need help asking for a raise. Hey, how would you frame this? Would you do this? How should I be presenting to leadership? How should I be showing up in front of my executives? And I'm realizing, um, or I guess I, I mean, even in my own career, I kind of started learning this myself. But um, but really there's a very, you know, intricate way and interesting way around how public speaking shows up, um, in, in our day-to-day careers. Um, so I talk a lot about, um, you know, communicating your value with the people that matter most. And like I said, presenting, you know, how, how are you effectively presenting something in front of leadership, something in front of you know, executive teams. How are you overcoming imposter syndrome, which is a term that I hate. (laughs) Like, how are you doing all of these things? Um, And centering it around understanding your authentic voice so that you can communicate it to the best of your ability. So I I do a lot of keynote coaching. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. um, And I'm very excited. I'll give you a kind of a sneak peek. But for 2024, I'm going to be also starting a membership where it's going to be centered around community um, and bringing the people together, bringing women together um, to really talk about these different topics, right? How are you memorizing a speech? All of these different, you know, things that come up in our day-to-day work lives. um, How are we bringing that together and talking about it as a group? Wow, this is going to be great for you. Yeah, I'm super excited. Okay, so... I'm just kind of naive to this, but are there a lot of people who are delivering keynote speeches that are not necessarily like a speaker professionally? I'm thinking the only like keynote people, I'm like, oh, my company's going to hire Mel Robbins. Well, <laughs> she would be an awesome client, right? But I'm I'm guessing that you're working with people who kind of are more day-to-day. Yeah. So I would say there's kind of two audiences of people that I'm working with. The first is uh, small business owners. And those people are actually often giving keynote speeches at conferences that typically they are hosting um, or they're being a guest speaker at a different kind of conference. So um, like I work with a life coach, I work with a realtor, I work with um, um, a hair a hair, style, um, st- hair studio owner. Um, so a variety of different kinds of industries where People are getting up and, you know, they have to either, you know, yes, they're giving either a keynote speech in front of, you know, thousands of people or they're giving a 45 minute presentation in front of a smaller, you know, group that's been invited to a networking event. Right. So there's kind of a spectrum of, you know, speeches, I would say. But then there's this other audience of um, kind of what I've already what I talked about when it's, you know, young corporate women. And those are the people who are not yet probably giving keynote speeches, but they are fighting through those battles of 
interviewing for a job, of asking for a raise, of having year-end reviews and wanting to make sure that, you know, they're communicating their values so that they get a strong bonus at the end of the year. Um, and all of those kind of different pieces that that happen in your very early career years. So I would say there's kind of two audiences there that I work with, um, and both are really, you know, again, centered around public speaking, centered around really finding that confidence and authenticity in yourself. And do you work with them like weekly or monthly or one time? For the um, pub, for the small business owners, um, I work with them kind of on a as needed basis when they're getting ready for speeches. I would definitely stay on a weekly basis. Um, and then this other group, uh, really, what I'm going to I'm going to start working with them. I would say in 2024 when this membership comes around. I think as a business owner, one thing that I really aimed to do for the past five to six months to listen, you know, put out a lot of different content, bring in a lot of different kind of events that are happening um, and do a couple of different webinars and really just understand and listen to what those people want. Um, and what I heard is, you know, you want they want a community of, of like-minded women. They want consistent accountability. How are they practicing every single week? Um, and focusing on their professional development, and then having a group that is, you know, comfortable to practice around. So mm. that's what I'm really excited to to bring next next year in 2024 um, is that consistent community that's focused on professional development. Cool. It reminds me of like a more intimate Toastmasters. And yeah. I'm like so intimidated by that word. I know that Toastmasters is like a nationwide public speaking network, yeah. I would say. Um, mm -hmm. And if you haven't heard of it, I, I haven't been in it. But from what I've from what I've heard, it's like literally a group of people who give public speeches to to randoms like mm -hmm. strangers. And mm -hmm. that that's really intimidating. And in order for me to get better, yes, you want to be uncomfortable and like grow outside of your comfort zone. But this type of community that you're cultivating is a, a group of, yes, they're strangers, but you'll get to know them. And then it yes. becomes like the, it's the environment that I want to present to and get feedback from. Yes, that is such a, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because that is such a strong pillar of why I did this. I, I talk a lot about, you know, redefining public speaking and you kind of hear it and gloss over it. But once you really dig into what it means to me and for the group that I'm fostering, it's it goes back to the first time that you ever had to speak in front of a, an audience. And for many people, I know for me, my first time was drawing a slip out of a hat in science class and having to sit in front of all of my like peers, my friends, my crushes, my like all these weird, you know, people in that stage of life. And I had to talk up for a minute about something that I didn't even know. And then we are always, you know, terrified of public speaking ever since, right? So if that's the way that we were taught, you know, in a very vulnerable moment when we don't even know our own voice, then how could we ever feel really comfortable and confident speaking ever again, right? If How can we kind of go back to that moment, start over, and start by understanding your purpose. Start by understanding your goal. Start by understanding really what you want to say and how you want to show up um, in the moments that matter most. 
And then we can worry about the content and what you're actually going to say. But I think that's that core piece of understanding who you are and how you want to show up. That's the piece that I think is still missing in a lot of different areas, including some of these nationwide, you know, public speaking, you know, huge corporations, right? Because there isn't that that intimate moment to to feel really comfortable um, talking about a topic that is so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, okay, so if someone were to be listening right now and they are a little intimidated of public speaking, what is a few like really tangible quick tips that you would give someone? Yeah, I always come back to the very first thing that I always like to talk about is find your purpose. So for me, whenever I'm typically speaking in front of groups of people, I'm probably talking about my business, right? So mm-hmm. my um, first thing that I come back to is what is my purpose? Well, my purpose to help is to help women be successful through redefining public speaking. I know that I'm extremely passionate about that. And I also know that I'm really skilled at that. So how can I channel that purpose and have that ground me throughout the time that I'm speaking? Right. If you go kind of to this, the next step that I talk about, it's that idea of evaluating risk. So asking yourself, you know, what is the risk of me speaking out right now? Oh, I could mess up. Oh, I could be wrong. Oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could fall flat on my face. (laughs) Right. Well, what is the risk of me not speaking out? Well, the risk of me not speaking out is that my message will not get to the people that it needs to get to. I myself will be silent and unheard, right? So for me, and I think for the majority of us, we could agree that that second risk is much, much you know, riskier than, than the first one. So kind of going through that evaluation and that, that mind exercise of, of understanding exactly what you're doing this and why you're doing this can oftentimes fuel you forward into saying, yes, I'm going to stand out and I'm going to speak up. That's kind of a big piece for me. Um, I would also say, you know, kind of that going to that confidence thing that you talked about um, when it comes to smaller conversations, right? So when it comes to presenting in front of leadership, right, if you're asking for buy-in, one thing that I, or if you're, let's do this example. If you are um, trying to ask for a raise, one of the things that I always talk about is the importance of tracking the contributions that you make so that you have real-time data to back up the words that you're saying. More often than not, the reason that we're worried or the reason that we're nervous about something is we don't fully believe in what we're talking about, especially when it comes to ourselves, right? Um, So how can we do ourselves a favor and track and have the data in front of us about ourselves and about our contributions so that when we go and we ask for a raise or we ask for that promotion, we have the statistics to back that up. So I think it's a lot of different, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has those different um, reasons as to why they're maybe nervous or anxious. But first, kind of going through that confidence exercise of understanding the risk, understanding what's not the risk, and then really sitting down and looking at you know, what you're saying and being confident in the content is just a way to start. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love those two pieces. I love, I personally track some of my accolades that I do and I'm not great at it, just maybe once a month or something, but Mm -hmm. who knows for when I'll need that. But when I do, 
that is totally going to give me confidence because one of the pieces, like you said, risk, like what happens if I do this? Well, then you start like getting kind of um, hypothetical. At least yes. if you have actual data behind you, you can totally back yourself up. Totally. Something more I want to add on the risk piece. I mm-hmm. read this thing. I think it was Katie, um, Byron Katie is her name. And she does something with like self-help and something she says is if you're afraid, just ask and then what? And then what? And then you go through this exercise of like, okay, I don't want to go here today. Why? Or, and then what would happen? And then what would happen? And then, and you keep answering that question to finally get to the end. You're like, actually, that's not that bad. I think I can survive that outcome. And just like you said, you just have to evaluate the risk on both sides. And if you break it down enough, it's probably, you're probably going to be okay. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Something I always like to do is just ask about pop culture. So is there anything that you've been loving, maybe products you've been buying or TV shows you've been liking or movies or podcasts or I don't know, any type of pop uh, pop culture thing you want to share that you've been into lately? Yes. So I, well, first my, like one of my religious podcasts that I listen to is um, Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy Porterfield. For any small business owners out there, um, she is, you know, somebody who I've learned a lot from. She also has a book called Two Weeks Notice. um, And it's about kind of that process of putting in your two weeks once your business is is feeling ready to take off. Um, and so that is something that definitely inspired me to to really kind of see what what my business could could look like. So that is definitely one podcast and one person that I love. Um, and then I have to say I am 100% a Selling Sunset uh, guru. <laughs> I love watching it. I feel like over the past couple of seasons, it's gotten more drama and less house, which I don't love. I always loved like the business side of it at the very beginning, but I'm still an avid fan. Okay. Um, so that's on Netflix. I have not watched the most recent season. And I, I think it's because as a realtor, I'm like, do you guys actually yeah. sell a single house? I, I don't even know. <laughs> okay. I saw somebody on TikTok that actually like looked that up. And don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was laughing super hard. So I understand. I, I think about uh, about you realtors watching that too and think, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that it's like a good show because it encourages people to like get into the business. But um, maybe they just need to know that it's not all as glamorous as that. Like if I were to show up in half the outfits that they were, I think, I hope my clients would fire me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Okay, no shame in that. I love that. Um, I'm a huge Bravo fan. So okay. anything similar to that, I'm, I'm all into as well. Yeah, I love it. Um, I have not heard of two weeks notice, but I love to read and I have a Goodreads. So I will add that to my Goodreads. Yes, it is a good one. It's a lot of, um, it's, I would say, you know, it's a lot of like logistical, almost like it's almost like a guide. Like the nice. book is almost like a guide. Um, so I think it would be really applicable for people looking to one like definitely market their business. Um, I found it super helpful. Look, okay, on the title it says two weeks notice. Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want, and change the world. Oh my gosh. And it's yeah. like a guide. Love it. Buying it. <laughs> Thank you. 
You're That's welcome. why I love doing this little section because I always get a little tip here and there. Okay, so Steph, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, maybe they want to be a part of your collective that's coming up, this membership, or they have a keynote speaker, or they want to, you know, it is coming up to the end of the year right now. So maybe a lot of people want to start asking for raises in the review. What is right. the best way to follow you and also get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can definitely follow me on Instagram at Stephanie Lauren Butler. And then my website is where really everything is held. Um, so everything from keynote creation to also if you want to pageant coaching, I do have a coach who does that. Um, and then as well as, you know, being a part of of the membership, which will be launching mid-December. Um, you can find that at voiceswhowill.com. I love that name of your company. Thank you. Yeah, we I, you know, I brought a group of of really talented friends of mine and they actually were the ones who formulated I put together like a a presentation of of what I was picturing for the business and and the brand and like the vibe of everything and we came up with this, you know, beautiful name and I think it speaks to the fact that it can be authentic to whoever is a part of the business. So like for example, if you're a salesperson, you have voices who will sell. If you're a teacher, voices who will teach. If you're, hmm. you know, all of those different things. But then also we are, you know, voices collectively. So um, bringing that community aspect is really important too. So I thought it was the perfect fit. Yeah, that's beautiful too. Okay, really quickly, want to plug your website here. So I'm on voiceswhowill.com and you have some free guides, including preparing for an interview guide. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> Good. Yes, there's a variety of free um, free content. Again, I just value really making sure that people are, are getting value out of out of the business and sharing what they know and, um, you know, all of that. So, yes, I have tools for the taking. I have many of them. Um, so certainly dive in and, and see what it's all about. All right, Steph, what is a piece of advice that you as a working girl won't gatekeep? Yes, I love sharing this piece of advice because I think it is applicable to a lot of people. But my piece of advice is to remember that when you are in corporate culture, when you're going in for an interview or wherever you are maybe in a position of, um, you're, you're looking at somebody who maybe feels like they are in a position of power, always remember that they are just as human as you are. I think one of my biggest pieces, you know, one of my biggest learnings, I guess, in my internship was um, I maybe spoke out probably what felt like maybe a little bit too much in front of um, somebody who was a higher status than me. And they actually said to me, wow, I love that you treat me as just another person and not as, you know, a vice president talking to an intern. And I think that is something that is really important to remember. I work with a lot of executives and just remembering like everybody is human and no matter how far they're in their career, no matter how high up the totem pole they are, everybody is human. And it's so important to remember that. Hmm. I'm taking that one to heart. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Good. Thank you. Well, um, I, I really like that you said that kind of everybody is a playing field. And the fact that like a CEO said that to you as an intern, like that must mean it's really real. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. Well, Steph, this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we were able to connect and learn more about your company, Voices Who Will. And I'm so proud of you. I really hope... Like, I can't wait to hear how your launch goes. 
Thank you. I appreciate you so much for having me on. And I'm so excited to see where your podcast goes as well. Thank you.